like that sometimes. It do be like that, though. Mm-hmm. Shit, what were uh, we talking about? Uh, Dogman. Dogman, yeah. So we have the log out here, and the legend goes that it used to uh, terrorize the settlers. And allegedly, it's still out there. Woo! Our, uh, there's actually an OnStar video um, we're recording after these people supposedly uh, hit a dogman or one jumped out in front of their car or some shit. <clears throat> but um, that happened not too long ago. But ours is rumored to be, I believe, Cherokee Indians because they... That was one of their things with dog soldiers or some shit like that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also, I scrolled down and saw the the Satan statue. That's sweet. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Like, oh that's my god. Gorgeous. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Since since none of you guys can see this because you're listening to a podcast, uh, look up Satan statue inside the Holy Trinity Church. It is neat. <laughs> Like, yeah. just the wings in itself, like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not even religious, but that's fucking gorgeous. Oh. Shit. Well, especially because it's not really, like, to me it's not really supposed to be, like, a religious symbol. No, it's more of a concept, because, you know, there isn't, like, a Satan in the Bible, right? It's like, it's like he's referred to as Lucifer. Uh... I don't you know. know, it's been years since I've actually read the Bible. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you know it? Christian. I used to I used to teach a Bible study. Oh wow. Yeah. Fun fact about you. I used to be super Christian. Yeah, yeah. You know. I was raised Catholic, so uh, mm-hmm. at least it's kind of like it's kind of a cool Christianity sect because you've got a lot of cool traditions, but <clears throat> I went to one Catholic whatever you want to call it. Church? No. Mass? Mass, yeah. I went to uh. that once with my buddy. And, uh, like, I got really thrown off when the when the pastor started, like, throwing water at everybody. Oh, that would have been a special mass, then, because they don't do that all the time. Really? Yeah, well, cool. yeah, yeah. They just do that for special days during the, the holy calendar. Because oh. Catholicism, you don't just have the major holidays. You also have, like... Mm, again, I'm rusty on my Catholicism because it's been a minute, but it's like there's special masses for special saints or special times of the year. So, yeah, yeah. So getting the water thrown at you is usually not, that's not typical. <laughs> so oh. you're going on one of the special days. So well, nifty. Yeah, yeah. But then you had to like still deal with the whole like kneeling, standing, sitting, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're very very active. They want to make sure you're not falling asleep. So. Well, well, I mean, yeah, but that's all I wanted to do. This is sleep. <laughs> yeah, because it's very boring, you know. Oh shit! So I think I'm gonna use the intro this week, even though it's not completely done. We still got the bass music there, so. Yeah, do it, man. Might as well. Might as well. All right. This is Murder Monday, and I am Justin. I'm Meredith, and welcome to the Dead Talk. Dead Talk. We took out the... Dead Talk. The, the so, oh, shit, that's right. It's still so new. It's so hard to say. Okay, do we want to go talk. ahead and... Do you want to do a, ret- like a retake? 
Nah. Okay. Nah. We'll leave all our messiness in there because we're new. We're, I like we're... to think it makes us more relatable to the people as well. You know. That we, yeah, that we just don't take out all our fuck ups. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It feels natural. All right. Exactly. Okay. Organic. So mine's not super long. Mhm. And I also have a news story that I pulled up that I saved like a week ago. Yeah. That's not very long either, but it's really fucking crazy. Okay, Ooh. by a week ago, Do I mean it. two days ago. Do it. Do it. Yeah, so All by the time right. people are listening to this, like three days ago then. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. So I will... You want me to do the news story, then you go, then I finish out with the other one? You want me to just do yeah. both of mine right do, off the bat? Do, do the news story. Do the news story. Okay. And I'll do mine, then we'll do the, we'll finish it up with yours. Okay. Mine is actually kind of long, so it's good. That works out. Mm-hmm. All right. So an East Peor- Peoria man will likely never be a free man again after being sentenced Friday to seven years behind bars for killing a person with a butter knife. What? Thurman D. Ellis, 29. Uh, gave a short but tearful apology to Chief Peoria County Circuit Judge Paul uh, Gilfillan, but that didn't seem to matter. The September 7th, 2018th death of William K. Edwards, who was found in a pool of blood two days later in a detached garage behind a house, uh, gives the address, seemed to strike a chord with the judge. Ellis, he noted, has no prior record but the issues of depression and drug abuse, and while that could have Weighed in his favor, the judge noted that it was possible uh, such a brutal slaying could happen again. Uh, they noted that Edwards was stabbed 25 times with the butter knife, which was found bent at a 90-degree angle due to the force of the blows. Okay, that bitch was on Flocka. There's shit, no way. There's no way. Yeah. Like, I get butter knives like, aren't the strongest, but to stab someone 25 times and hit them so hard that you bend it at a 90-degree angle... Dang. Like, and, they, and uh, supposedly the fight started when Ellis uh, wanted to take some marijuana from Edwards, who initially said no. You don't do that shit over pot. I'm just yeah, going to say that right now. Don't do that shit over pot, man. Don't do that shit over pot. <laughs> they said a fight. And, they said fight and soon Ellis grabbed the knife. Um... Well, at some point, Ellis had told the police Edwards had given up, was on the ground, and told Ellis to take whatever he wanted. Wow, that's sad. But Ellis kept stabbing him. Um, Ow. It was a min- it's a minimum sentence of 20 years. And then, like, that's what they requested, because he had no priors with the judge. Uh, wanted him to make it, so he likely never breathed air outside of the prison cell again. And Damn. gave him the 70 years behind bars. Damn, son. Yeah, yeah. Stay away from white powder drugs, kids. Because, like, pot's not going to make you stab someone with a butter knife. Even in that fake-ass weed, don't get that either. Yeah, because apparently that makes you go crazy. So don't do yeah. that. <clears throat> you know that guy that ate that other dude's face in Florida and they were staying his bath salts? Yeah. You know his, tox- his toxology report came back clean? Oh, shit. So he was on synthetic weed? He was on nothing. Oh. He was a schizo. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah, well, I hope he's getting help. Yeah, like, straight, like, ugh. You gotta live with the fact that you ate somebody. Why do they all eat people? Well, you know, a disclaimer, not all schizo type of people do that. Most of the time, they're the ones that get something bad happened to them, but 
I don't know. Because if we put in the whole, like, if we add in, like, the Flocka stuff and the PCP stuff, then, like, I don't know. I don't know. Ugh. I wonder if it depends on, like, the person's, like, own personal, like, psychology. I don't know. Right. Like, they're just like, I wonder how people taste. And then one day, like, something snaps. So, like, I'm going to try people today. Yeah. I can kind of also see it as more of, like, a frenzy sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Humans are weird. I like it, though. <laughs> Let's to ponder about things. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, want me to get in mine? Yeah, yeah, let's Let do it. it. Let's get into it. All right. So, let me full screen this hoe. I got my notes. All right. So, it's actually uh, appropriate that we were talking about a Satan statue earlier, because I'm going to talk about the notorious Corpsewood Manor murders, which, uh, actually, I did visit. So... The Corpsewood Manor murders. Mm-hmm. Actually, it occurred out uh, basically about like uh, it's about like two hours north of me. Okay. Um, basically, in the middle of nowhere, and uh, there the oh, that's so weird because mine kind of happens in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, but the ruins of the manor are still there, and you can go uh, visit them. There's they're abandoned. Most times, people just go out there to like have a couple beers and party. But, uh, no, it's a really interesting place, and uh, the crimes are horrible, but also interesting. So, let's get into it. Yeah. All right. Enter character, Raymond Williams. He's driving up the road in his pickup truck, stammering down a dirt path, his heart heavy. Oh, wait, sorry. Shit. Hold on. Pause this for a sec. Cause we're not uh -oh. I'm, I'm, I messed up. Okay. Raymond Williams' pickup truck stammered down the dirt path. His heart was as heavy as the cold. His visit was not the usual one today. A close friend of Joey and Charles had passed away, and it was up to Raymond to deliver the very bad news. Raymond perhaps would have called his friends as if his home, their home had any electricity or a landline. However, the two eccentric men on the mountain insisted on living off the grid. Any appliances like the refrigerator were powered by kerosene, and their home was warmed by four chimneys. So, total hippies. Yeah. <laughs> total hippies. But, anywho, Raymond approached the house and... Uh, they had been to many times before, but something was not right. The four chimneys were cold and smokeless. On a day like this, shouldn't there at least be one fire going? As he got closer, the home he, no that he noticed the Jeep wasn't anywhere to be seen. A feeling of dread came over him as he exited his truck. Just as he was trying to find a reasonable ex explanation for all of this, he saw the black metal door uh, wide open, and the window was shattered by a bullet hole and the stench of death thick in the air. It would seem that Raymond Williams had only found more bad news. So, basically, this is about the murder of Charles Scudder and his long-term partner Joey Odom. They're both uh, they're both gay, but okay. let's get into that. Yeah, they're super cool. Oh my goodness. Anyways, so Charles and Joey first met in 1959. Joey was 21 at the time and working at a bookstore when Charles approached him looking for a certain book. Unfortunately, I can't find what the book was in my research. It's just kind of like lost the time. Actually, fun fact, when I was originally writing this, because it's like my backup murder, so I've had this on like the back burner just in case, I was able to reach out to someone that knew them and like ask them questions and said, hey, like, do you know what book it was? Like, oh, no, man, I can't remember. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah, because like it's, that's what's awesome about the internet. It's such a small world. Um, but anyway, so from that exchange, like they basically like immediately hit it off and were like, oh, my God, this dude's so hot. Like, I want to like touch his butt. And so they immediately had this huge spark and instant connection. Because that's, that's all they want to do. They just want to be able to touch butts. Yeah, they just want to touch butts. <laughs> and also, in some some people 
say this happened in New York while Charles was on vacation. Other people say it happened in Chicago where they lived for a really long time. So I'm not sure about that either. Anyway, so the two of them were like incredibly different. So Joey was a working class, super effeminate gay guy who had still very tr strong ties to his Catholic upbringing. And Charles is a well-educated and uh, self-proclaimed atheist with a fascination with the occult. So that's a huge part of the story that a lot of people tend to get wrong is that like they were both Satan worshipers. Actually, no, because Charles just thought it was cool. He didn't really believe in any of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Charles was super extroverted. Joey was more of a homebody. Charles was horrible at reading people. I think he was a little bit socially like awkward or maybe had like a touch of the, of the autism, but who knows. But fortunately, Joey was street smart and could spot a funny from a mile away. But that's kind of how love is sometimes. Like <laughs> it's a little bit different from you and you just kind of like become something greater and it's beautiful. Right. Anyways, so shortly after the relationship began, Charles air quote hired Joey. Cause remember this is 1959. We're not accepting of LGBT people at this time. Uh, so he was like, oh no, he's just my living cook and housekeeper. But they, they were in a serious relationship. So, right. but the plus side is that Joey <sighs> loved this stuff. He loved being a homemaker and he actually helped raise Charles's children they get from a previous marriage. And, you know, he took care of them and kind of like played, you know, home dad while Charles was toying away his job as a professor at Loyola University. Is that how you say it? It's a, it's, a, it's a university out in Chicago. 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 Anyways, so this is a job. Uh, so Charles didn't really like his job, but because he was really far from the sort of stereotypical like academic type. Um, he actually was notorious at his job for being a prankster. And he would surprise them with a, sh a shrunken head or a rubber snake in their drawers. <laughs> uh, he also loved very, very eye-catching and extravagant clothing and would wear like gaudy necklaces and even dyed his hair dark purple. So for a while, everything was great. The university turned a blind eye to Charles' sexual preferences, uh, something that would be super rare, like previously mentioned. And yeah. Charles found satisfaction with his work, though, again, wasn't totally pleased. Uh, but times changed and things became more and more red tape at the university and he's growing tired of the politics. So his kids had grown up and Charles and Joey's parents had also passed away. So they wanted to do something new. And Chicago living had grown tiresome and they both wanted to take a chance to go back to the basics. And this is actually... Oh my like, God. Yeah. So that, <laughs> go ahead. What are you they say? went super to the basics, huh? Oh, yeah, they moved out to fucking Georgia. Yeah, and actually there is a really good article that uh, Charles did write for a, like, homestead, like, newsletter, like, back in the day where he talks about the process of, like, doing this, which is totally, totally cool, uh, really, like, really well written. So, um, but anyway, so, like, where were these two, like, really eccentric guys to go who were gay? So they sort of did some soul searching and they wanted a hilly country with the glamour of four seasons without super cold winters because they were clearly super over Chicago winters. They're probably <laughs> super cold, much like you're really well experienced with the Michigan winters. Uh, it's still cold. It's so cold. It's so cold. And also, most importantly, a measure of isolation. So they went through and kind of like looked at various different plots of land, but they settled on one in Chattanooga County, Georgia. So on Charles's 50th birthday, he handed in his resignation to the university and the two packed up the very few items they wanted to keep and took themselves and their two beloved dogs, Beelzebub and Arsenaf, to out to their new home. And their dog, Beelzebub. 
Oh, they did. Cause they were like that. Like that, like, it's like, they were really into like Lovecraft and also like, you know, kind of doing a nod to the occult thing. That's awesome. I know they're so cool. Damn it. Uh, and you can find pictures of them with Beelzebub. So on the internet, if you just kind of look them up, like Jody Odom and Charles Scudder. Uh, anyways, so upon their arrival to the property, they found a dead horse up the winding road to where they'd break ground on their new home. Perhaps other people would find this ominous, or at least a little bit disgusted by it. Instead, the two had a laugh and christened the drive as Dead Horse Road, which they would ne- eventually name their home Corpsewood Manor in reference to their little inside joke. So they're also kind of like really into like dark comedy, which is also super funny. So I get it. I'm like, I'm on the same wavelength with these people. They just seem like two gothy gay guys. Oh, they're such goths. Like back in like the 1960s. <laughs> like, you know, like they're like, yeah, man, like we're just goth kids. They're going to go out and do some cool like crap out in the woods and like build our own goddamn home. Yeah. So on that note, though, they did like they worked really like for about it looks I think I remember it was like about a year. They worked and they lived in a camper while they were like laying brick by brick in their house. And uh, Corpsewood Manor, the main house, actually isn't that big. It's like, mm, I wish I knew the square footage, but you'd be very, very surprised if you saw it in real life to be like, oh, wait, I thought this thing was like a lot bigger than it is. It's not, but it was two stories. So, and they also built a chicken coop because they wanted to like live off the land. And they right. also built a guest house on top of the chicken coop that was called the pink room. And they kind of like, because a friend gave them antique house paint that was all pink. And they're like, hey, do you want this? And of course, they're like, fuck, yes, we do. Let's do this thing. So though they wanted isolation, it wasn't long before the two found their tribe in the strange island of misfit toys. An aging nudist, a devout Catholic woman, a group of rough motorcyclists, and a, a young couple with their children and many others. They would entertain their vis- visitors and often and provide wine, food, and a good song on Charles's harp. Because Charles is actually a very, very skilled harpist. And much like... Joey was actually very, very skilled at baking and, like, making something out of nothing. Anyways, so even outside there... Whoop, I lost my place. No, Google, don't don't jump up to the top again. Don't do that. I need I need to tell a story. God damn it, Google. I need to tell a story, Google. Calm down. So even outside their group of friends, they're well-loved in the community. Though one would expect real people to be unwelcoming of unique individuals, but Joey and Charles were known as the nicest couple of fellas you'd ever want to meet. So Corpsewood was known to throw parties through Inner Circle, which would seem, they, there's legends of it being really debaucherous, but when you do more digging and more research into it, it clearly was just them kind of like getting drunk and having a good time. But there's a lot of legend of being like, it was a sex party. There was shitloads of drugs and blah, 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 blah. But well, this was the 60s, so of course. It was, it was. Which honestly, they're probably smoking pot and like having some like, like having some wine, like, it wasn't anything that bad, but uh, it was custom for them that, like, hey, if someone, like, drank too much, they'd be like, oh, go crash in the pink room. It's no big deal. Right. So, because they wanted their own personal space in their in their house. So, anyway, so also the pink room was also sort of, like, their entertaining space as well, because Charles disliked having people in the main house. There were mattresses provided, but only only those that were too inebri- Oh, shit, I already talked about that part. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a rustic podcast. Anywho, so going we back to sort different. of, we're different, we're unique, we're special, we're figuring it out as we go along. But to kind of tie back into what I previously talked about, how like Charles was in the occult, but he didn't necessarily believe in it. 
Uh, he did embrace the Church of Satan ethics because he liked the whole free expression thing, like doing what you will as long as you're not a jackass. Right. But he was, you know, but also he was never too quick to kind of like, if you're causing like a shitstorm and like fucking up the party, he'd kick your ass out. Uh, there's also sort of a story that I stumbled upon being like, uh, basically how it was that some guy got to like, he wasn't drunk, but he was getting kind of rowdy. So what Charles did is he picked up a, like an empty aluminum can, threw it up in the air and Beelzebub jumped up and crushed it in his mouth. And he said, yeah, so don't mess with us essentially. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, Beelzebub, as we'll soon find out, was actually not a very aggressive dog. It was just for, he was just. It, he just looked intimidating because he was a mastiff. Okay. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So big, big dogs. Anyways, so basically they kind of made their weird little homestead into kind of a safe haven for people that were like them or, you know, at least like held the similar values. And it was a place of safety and hospitality. <clears throat> but this would unfortunately change when Kenneth Brock stumbled into their lives. Brock would, uh, happened upon the property out, while out hunting Charles took a liking to him and told him he was, you know, was welcome to come by whenever you wanted. And Brock would return to the property often, at first just for hunting, and, but eventually for company, a glass of wine, and a good conversation. It wasn't long until Brock told his roommate, West, about the Satanists up on the hill, in quotes. Eventually, West would venture out there to meet them as well, but over time, a more sinister plot began to develop between the two. After all, the two were unemployed and needed money, Charles and Jolie seemed to have some and were out in the middle of nowhere. If something were to happen to the two, would anyone really go looking? So that brings us to the events of December 12th, 1982. Brock and Wes picked up West's nephew, Wells, and the girlfriend, Teresa Hudgens, for a trip out to Corpsewood Manor. Unbeknownst to the owners and the two new additions, this was not an entirely friendly visit. Wells and Brock's drug of choice was huffing paint thinner because this is also the 80s you know didn't they kind of go through a phase in the 80s where they just like loved huffing paint thinner uh maybe well i mean maybe like isn't that that like what whippets are or is that something different no these are different whippets are like nitrous oxide oh yeah yeah but also like (laughs) i don't know these are also i've smoked pot and (laughs) and i've done adderall like once. Oh, see, I've done this <laughs> before. They're fun, but eh, eh. That was college. You do crazy things in college. Oh no, that was just for rock concert. Okay, wait, I thought Adderall. Anyways, that's <laughs> 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 sidebar nation. Anyways, so while the group of them were up in the pink room with Charles, they began passing the bag around. Charles, of course, declined because he wasn't into doing that. You just like to drink, but was still dedicating to. He's still dedicated to be a good host to the group. Joey and the dogs remained in the main house, cleaning up from the dinner they shared only moments prior. Brock would eventually pull a gun out on Charles, to which Charles responded by, with, by making a mock gun with his fingers and thumb and saying, bang, bang, which is, oh, on a note, totally something I would totally do in that situation, because I'd be like, oh, fuck, um, what do we do? Well, probably because, to- like, they weren't expecting, like, he wasn't, oh, my God, like, he wasn't thinking, I can't talk. <laughs> How dare you? podcast canceled um there were friends coming over so you're just probably thinking the guy was fucking around so all high and shit exactly exactly so that's totally like word anyways so it worked for a minute because it did diffuse brock and he did kind of put it down because he was taken out like kind of like taken off guard 
But when Charles got up to adjust a kerosene lamp, he pulls a hunting knife out on him, grabs him by the hair, and throws him down the mattress while he holds, like, the knife to his throat. So, again, Charles is trying to defuse the situation by trying to be like, let's make a joke and make people laugh. So he says, okay, well, what kind of game do you want to play? Like, I'll play your game. So Brock made it clear he wasn't, he wasn't, there were no games to be had. And he tore apart a bed sheet and tied uh, Charles' ankles together. So homeboy Wes picks up the gun and begins to help Brock restraining him. So at this moment, Teresa and her boyfriend are like, oh, shit, this is not just going to be a hangout. Like, what the fuck, guys? Why did you bring us here? Uh, so she, Teresa starts crying and she begs the two to cut it out, but was basically threatened by West into submission. Charles, very concerned for Teresa, asked her if she was okay, and she replied, you should just be worried about yourself before a gag was placed in Charles's mouth. Jesus. I know. It's, like, it's so shitty, because, like, because I think, like, Teresa was really young, too. I think she was 19. Okay. And I think her boyfriend was not much older, either. So these, these are basically kids, you know, or very, very young adults, and, like, you don't really know what you would do in that situation unless you got into it. So I really don't have any blame for Teresa or her boyfriend, especially when these guys have guns or acting nuts. So it's, it's super scary. So the robbers began aggressively questioning Charles about where the money was. And Charles, after they, cause they didn't think this through, they're like, we're going to gag you. Then we're going to ask you questions. (laughs) So I like to think of an awkward pausing moment, like moment where like, Oh God, got to ungag him. Okay. They pull the gag down. And he says to them, like, we don't have any money. Like, we keep it all in a small bank in town, and there's actually not a whole lot in the bank. And we just kind of, like, pull what we need as we need it. And, we, you know, you, you see us. Like, we just kind of live off land. So they're right. not satisfied with this. So Brock got the gun from West and decided to take, chance, take his chances with Joey. So during this time, Wells would try to plead with his uncle, West, to abandon the plan because he's realizing that... Uh, so basically, the, the boyfriend of Teresa is realizing this is going to go down south. And so he's trying to ask West, his uncle, be like, dude, just cut this out. Like, like, he just told you he doesn't have any money. And he's not, he's not like, kind of giving in, even when he says, hey, we could just leave. And, like, no one, we're not going to get in trouble if we leave. But anyways, these guys were also meth heads, so who fucking cares? Uh, so anyways, so they, mm, Brock, so Brock goes down to the house. And... Wes is kind of like controlling the situation in the pink room. And then all of a sudden they are interrupted by the sounds of several gunshots from the house. And Brock emerges from the house and proclaims, I killed that man and those damn dogs. And yeah. And Teresa says, cause she did testify in court, bless her heart. That had to be so scary. She said that she saw like the lights dim in his eyes and he just looked at the floor blankly. So Brock turns, they drag the entire group to the house to sort of put on display of what happened. And when Charles arrived at the archway that led to the dining room, he stopped because he saw Joey laying on the floor covered in blood. And yeah. And so he was like covered in blood and like he kind of had his like head underneath his arm. So he was trying to escape the house when he pulled the, when the guy pulled the gun on him and killed him. Oh. So Charles screams, of course, but Brock pulls his hair back violently and forces, forces him ahead. Teresa starts to wail again, and her boyfriend tries to comfort her, but just to kind of try to keep everyone else alive. So they drag him, into the, drag him over Joey's lifeless body and into the study before throwing him down on the couch. And in front of him, in the wood stove, right? Because they had a wood stove that powered the heating. Mm-hmm. And so what it was that the two dogs were sleeping around the wooden stove, and they are now lifeless and dead around the stove because they had not even gotten up when the guy came in. 
Isham dead. Uh, there's also a part of the story that I've heard from like other people that says that Beelzebub did was sort of somewhat alive still and kind of tried to weakly raise his head up and growl, but then they shot him again. So they shot basically shot his dog possibly in front of him again. So, yeah, so Teresa would make another attempt to leave because she's trying to get the fuck out of here or try to get help. But they again pulled the gun on her and threaten her and she's forced to sit down in the study and watch them basically ransack the entire study. So they're trying to find anything valuable, but it's not going to happen. And so in this moment, Charles isn't being fully paid attention to. And his gag had been kind of loosened and dropped around his neck. And so he looked at his dogs and then he, cause he always referred to his dogs as his beauties too, mm-hmm. which is oh, so painful. And then he looked at Joey's lifeless body. And so he stood up and started to like hobble towards him. Cause he's still kind of like bound by his feet, but he's, he's trying. And so Wes shoves him back down on the couch and tells him to sit the fuck down. But Charles gets up again and is like, I'm not here for this man. And starts walking towards Joey and basically Charles is kind of in like a fugue state, I'd say. He just mumbles, I asked for this over and over again, which I think can only really mean if he truly did say that, it it would mean that, hey, he let these people into his house and this is what's happened. Right. Yeah. Kind of blaming himself. Yeah. Which is, oh God, it's heartbreaking. And so he is still like, he's almost gotten there and they shoot him in the back and like hits him in the back of the head, but it doesn't kill him immediately. He just kind of crumples. And then he is like still kind of like trying to slide towards Joey, but then he is shot one more time and he falls backwards into a suitcase or not a suitcase, shit bookcase, similar, but different, right? That's not not <laughs> yeah. similar. No, similar but <laughs> I know. Oh gosh. Fucking up in the middle of a very, very serious story. So that's when, like, basically West approaches him one more time and shoots him in the head one more time and kills him. So they ransack the house. They only found minor items of value. And so they escape into the night, stealing the Jeep that, jo- that Joey and Charles owned. Uh, but unfortunately, Brock and West had this crazy idea to be like, we'll just go to fucking Mexico. And so they drive through, like, from Georgia through Louisiana and into Texas. And they decide that they're like, they, we, need, they, we need to get rid of the Jeep. We need to get rid of the Jeep. So they park it at a rest stop. And they try to carjack uh, Kirby Phelps. But when he fights back, they would also shoot and kill him. So. At what point do you realize, man, we really fucked this up? I know, right? Well, they're meth heads. So yeah. basically what happened is, is, like, this is also a weird part of the story, though. <clears throat> is that. So once Teresa gets back home, she does go to the police. And so the police do put, uh, you know, what's the word for it when they say, like, look out for this car? Is it, like, oh, shit. Basically, they're like, yo, look out for these people, man. They stole this car. They, like, killed these people. It's messed up. But they couldn't find them. Did you say it was messed up? Messed up. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sorry, that was bad. It's all right, it's all right. But uh, the interesting part is that the police didn't find them. They end up turning themselves in in Texas. And they didn't see why they decided to turn themselves in. Because I I don't know if they could have made it to the border in all honesty, but it was weird for them to give up so quickly. And so, of course, because, you know, Joey and Charles were a little bit eccentric, 
cue a huge media storm around this trial to where the murderers are all like, oh, they were Satanists and we're just trying to kill them to protect our people and blah, 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 blah. When it's like, oh, shut the fuck up, dudes. Like, you're hanging out with them and you wanted us to steal money. It had nothing to do with that. Right. And, like, the good part about this, though, is that this is something that is not touched on nearly enough, in my opinion, when you listen to podcasts and you see episodes about this or even read articles about it, is that, like, no, their community did rally around them. To where, like, Joey's best friend, the previously mentioned Catholic woman, gave a huge, beautiful character statement about him. And actually, the leader of the motorcycle gang did the same and said that he's, like, his one regret in his life that he'll carry to the day he dies is that he was not there that night because it would have gone differently. Because, like, people did love them. But it kind of gets shaded out by the whole, like, I guess the controversy around it, maybe like in anything interesting, any interesting person that dies that has uh, certain interests, it sucks because that's going to always take the narrative when in reality, you shouldn't believe murderers because you shouldn't believe whatever they have to say because they fucking killed somebody. So they're not trustworthy, but people are so quick to drop that and just go with the narrative that's being said. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, fortunately, they were both thrown in jail for life because the state of Georgia was not having any of that nonsense, thank God. Because they're like, yeah, even if they were Satanists or not, that doesn't matter. You still, like, shot and killed them, then, like, stole their shit, went off and shot and killed another person. So I don't think this is really about what you're saying it was. So, um, unfortunately, they're still alive to this day, but they're still rotting in jail. <laughs> so. They have to be getting up there in age. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't know, man. I need to look and see. I think they're like, they have to be in their 60s by now. Right. And in the mid 80s. Yeah, they were 20 at the time. Yeah, then they'd, yeah, because if they're, even if they're in their 20s, they'd still be, they'd still be up there. But that's like the very, very notorious and uh, myth filled murder of Charles and Joey that happened out in Corpsewood Manor. And Shit. I don't know, I've always been like, uh, this story always has hit like really close to home for me because like since I am an occultist and a weirdo and it's like, hey, if something like that happened to me, then maybe I would be defamed even though I'm dead and was murdered. Don't worry. If you get murdered, I'll make sure people know. You'll go testify, but you have to go yeah. with, like a beautiful like boudoir, like feather, like I'll wear, I'll wear, like, a, a black veil and everything. Yeah, yeah, And I'll yeah. wear the long black gloves. And... Do it. <laughs> and pop like you're from the 1920s and be like, I dare say, how dare this happen to my friend? We used to have a <laughs> podcast together, but now it's over because these motherfuckers shot on the face. <laughs> Listen to it here. <laughs> Listen to it here. We're still going to try to make it work. <laughs> I have a Ouija board. <laughs> I have a Ouija board. Yes, yes. But it's still super cool that, they're, that the ruins are still there because um, essentially what happened is that the house was still there and was taken care of by their nudist friend until he also passed away. Okay, I have to know. Was he taking care of the house completely naked? Yeah, he was. Yeah, because he just had to go for runs naked yep he was an interesting dude it sounds like uh but he passed away and so it kind of was abandoned and what happened was that some fucking teenagers went out there one night to go party because again it's become a kind of a local legend and like ooh, uh, teenager. and they they made a bonfire bonfire got out of control and burned the place down 
Him so nothing nice. Yeah, there's there's several structures still left, kind of, but it is in ruins. And it's being like quietly reclaimed by the wilderness. But it's still a very pretty place to go. And also it's interesting to me because like when I went out there, I thought to myself, huh, how interesting you guys are still entertaining visitors even though you're long gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And actually we had a blast there. They're you know, it's nice. But that's that's my sad story. That's my sad <laughs> long story. Well, my story's not super long, but this actually happened in the eighties as well. Look at that. Look at, Look at us. Look at that. Unintentional theme. Um mine actually happened up in northern Michigan around Mayo. I actually used to live up there. It's actually really beautiful up there. Lots of wooded land. Mm-hmm. Um very small communities up there. Uh, November of 1985, two men went hunting one weekend, and their names were David Till and Brian Oginjan. Oginjan? It's okay. It's his fault for having a weird last name. He dies. Don't be mean to him. (laughs) Sorry, dude. Sorry, Brian. Uh, They went on a hunting trip, but the rumor was that they didn't actually like hunting, but enjoyed just, like, you know, being outside. They had time to hang out, go to the bars, drink, all that stuff around the area. Mm -hmm. Excuse Uh, to get drunk and be in the woods. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they ended up in northern Michigan in the Mayo area, and a number of people claimed they'd saw them, and they even asked a few people for directions when they got lost. They were seen around several bars and were last seen Sunday, November 24th. They went missing along with their vehicle. Neither one of them contacted family that weekend, returned to work, and there were no bank re- records after November 24th. Uh, uh, fuck. The parents, both both of the uh, the parents of both people uh, filed the missing persons report. And hold on, wait. Actually, before I even continue, my mm-hmm. mom sent me this story. So thank you, mom. <laughs> she sent me like five different news articles, and then she sent me the Amazon link for the book. Oh, nice! Helpful, <laughs> mom. Oh my god, yeah. look at her being so supportive. All right, so then <laughs> had to make sure I threw that in there. Um. Many people thought that they just got drunk and drove into the woods and disappeared somewhere and which, got like, lost. Typical. Which, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, that's not it'd be very easy to do up there. Mm-hmm. Um, several officers tracked down leads, but most ran, to, uh, ran cold. They had psychics brought in as well. Oh, uh, wow. The only thing that came of that, they said, was wasted manpower. Yep. Dozens of lakes and rivers were searched. Fields were dug up. Cadaver dogs were called in. Aerial searches were conducted, and got ground-penetrating radar was employed. So, like, they were doing everything to try and find these people. And the dogs were like, I can't smell shit. Yeah. Months <laughs> had gone... I don't smell nothing. I don't smell Months nothing, had, man. Where's my treats? <laughs> Months had gone by, and nothing surfaced. This started to attract others and became somewhat of an urban legend in the area. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries actually did a report on it. And there was a reward for $100,000. Wait, so they never found them? Oh, they, they do. Okay, where... okay, okay, okay. We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. In 1990, they had an informant let them know that on the night the hunters vanished, they had gotten into an altercation at a at a bar near Mayo. Oh. Uh, however, they did not have an, enough information about who they suspected it to be. Um, like, they just, oh, okay, so they got into a fight with some people. Like, that's not enough to go on. Yeah, really Because, like, the, uh, alter, the altercation, like... Seemed to resolve itself there at the bar. Yeah, because tale as old as time. Yeah, because I guess a lot, like, 
back then, a lot of the times, the cops would just let the fights take care of themselves. Because, you know, up there, it's kind of the rule, yeah. Once someone's on the ground, you stop hitting them. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of people are fucking nuts. And, like, they don't just take it to that, so. I mean, that's how I've always been raised. Like, you don't throw the first punch, you throw the last one. Yeah. Once they they fall, once they're on the ground, you don't... Like, don't fight, don't fight. You don't keep going. If they get up and try to hit you again, you knock their ass on the ground again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't, don't kill them and don't go too far. Yeah. Because if you have to, then, like, get it. But, yeah, don't, don't hit a guy when he's down. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have enough information. Uh, one woman came forward in 2003, named Barbara Boudot. Uh, she said her and her friend had witnessed the men exchange words with the Duval brothers inside the bar. That was the altercation. She uh-huh. said she and her friend had later seen the brothers beat David and Brian to death with an aluminum bat in a field near her home. Jesus, there's no good Duval boys. She said the brothers put the bodies in the in their Ford Bronco, the uh, uh, Brian and David's Ford Bronco is one of theirs, and drove away. Uh, she didn't come forward until 2003 because she had fear of the brothers. Um, oh, so wait, she didn't come forward until 2003? So this yes, has been this like... This is 18 ooh, years. Yeah. Holy crap, okay. Because, uh, where did I put it? <clears throat> they, um... Well, like we're going around like threatening people and shit, pretty much. Like they're being assholes, yeah. Yeah, like threat, like like so the people that knew about it, they were threatening. Like what they killed one person's dog and that's rude. Like, yeah, like pretty much like we'll do the same thing to you that we did to those uh, those guys. Like, wow. We'll make them dis- make you disappear too if you say anything. Um, one report says that they killed the hunters over a dispute about a deer. Um, yeah, so yeah, they were beating people, kill, uh, threatening to kill them, killed a do- dog. Um, their other brother had actually been seen driving the Bronco a few days after the disappearance. Interesting. And, uh, <clears throat> according to the brothers, after they killed the men, they put their bodies through a wood chipper and then fed the remains to pigs. Oh, fuck. Okay. Police okay. Is, yep, and then, the, then their other brother, Kenny... Police suspect that their brother Kenny scrapped the Bronco and sold it for parts. God he damn told it, this Kenny. <laughs> he told this to police in a taped interview, but did not remember this while in court. Like he quote unquote did not remember. Oh, that's convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison in October of two thousand three. Uh, Helen Oginjan, uh, she was eighty four at the time of the conviction. Uh, it was the mother of Brian, and he was her only uh, child. Aww. Her, she was quoted saying, I'm glad, I'm just glad. Aww. Arthur Till, who is David's father, said, They took my son. It doesn't bring him back, but it's something. I was glad to see them cuffed, and I can't wait to see them in chains. Aww, uh, babies. Yeah. And he was really old at the time of the trial, too, like... It said that he wearily said it while uh, resting on his cane. Oh, because that's be so hard. Like you go so long, you didn't know what happened to your babies, and then like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like things are resolved. Right. Like that has to be so strange. Like it's good that it's resolved and not, because all too often, like you know, we hear about missing person cases all the time or unsolved murder cases all the time. 
where the families are, you know, unfortunately the parents die before there's a resolution. And good God, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on Barbara's statements, investigators believe three other men may have been involved in the attack, but no one else has been charged. Uh, the remains have never been located, although police, although police are still getting tips from time to time. So, like, like do we do we know what the altercation was over? They said there was one report that said it was over a um a dispute over a deer. Oh, that's right. That's right. You did say that. So who knows? Maybe they were on their land and didn't know they were on their land, and they killed this deer, and then these guys just kind of just went ham. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, like, good thing they were at least, like, brought to justice eventually, even though it took a while. Yeah. You know? God, it sucks. It's just a fucking deer, guys. Like, it's all right. There's so many. There's so many out there. Especially up north. Yeah, especially up north. Like, gosh. I see deer around Lansing all the time, and that's Lansing. That's That's a city. It is. Like, yeah. I know they're up there. Like I've seen them. I used to live up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, this, I think the first time I saw a deer was when I was visiting my grandmother out in Midland, Michigan. Okay. And she used to have deer that would come out into her backyard. Yep. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. We do get a lot of deer, even in Texas and even in Georgia, um, but you know, usually not within city limits. <clears throat> oh no! They're, they're, you'll see deer just walking down the street sometimes. It's like how the like, what the fuck are you doing? Go back to the woods. Like, how'd like, you get? Like, how'd you get this far? The dude's like, y'all got any cigarettes? They're like, no, go away. Get out of here. Like, fine, fuck you then. You're like, okay, go, get out now. Like, there was like literally uh, where I used to live. There was like a really small patch of woods. Like, it was literally like suburbs, small patch of woods, busy road. So it's like there really shouldn't be any deer living in this small patch of woods. Yeah, but there definitely were because I used to ride my four wheeler back and they like made our own little trail because my dad knew the owner of that small patch. Ooh, that's cool. And I almost smoked a deer a time or two on that four wheeler. Wow! It's like, where'd yeah. you come from? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck, where'd you come from? <laughs> Deers are equally surprised as you. Yeah, like, oh man, I think like in my hometown we had more of a problem with coyotes than anything. Okay. And those fuckers are big. Like, coyotes are big. Like, I don't think most people realize that. And javelinas, but javelinas are so mean. What? uh, Oh, okay, so I guess for for our northern listeners, aka my northern co-host, a javelina (laughs) is basically like, oh, it's it's basically a wild boar, but it can be significantly larger. Like, um, the baby javelinas are easily four to five feet long and the adults can get to be about don't quote me on this i'm not a scientist i could be totally off my numbers but it's that they they get very very big like they can get to be like i think they can get to be about like six feet long maybe jesus yeah they're huge and they have really really nasty tusks and also they have a terrible temper um because they will like chase you down and maul you to death just for fun uh but interesting side story might be a funny way to kind of like fade out on this podcast that we were talking about a lot of bummers on is that there was a guy in my hometown who was this Vietnam vet and he was I don't I cannot remember his name for like the life of me this is like Lake Jackson Texas by the way for viewers that don't know my upbringing so our south of Houston 
Uh, and he was known for hunting javelinas, but he said, oh no, I don't like hunting with a gun because that's not, that's not fun. I hunt with a spear. And so what he does, what he used to do is he'd go hang out in the trees and bait like some traps out and wait for the javelinas to come, then jump down and start attacking them with the spear and fight them. Wait. Wait. Why? I don't know. I think this is how he coped. Like maybe it's like... <sighs> well, they're also kind of considered pests out there because they will get to... The, the population will get too heavy, and like especially in the country. And like since they're violent, and also they'll destroy crops and destroy like property. Um, like, but most people hunt them with a shotgun. They're that they're that dangerous. Yeah, like, like maybe it's just know. like the rush of it all. I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that's how he weirdly tried to cope with his Vietnam trauma. Which I mean, hey, it makes sense because they were like always in the thick of it in Vietnam, like. Yeah. That's really that's... where guerrilla warfare was a thing. Yeah, I think he told like my sister's husband once that oh no i learned a couple things in vietnam i like to use that on the pigs there's so many weird things that happen in vietnam like so many serial killers and oh, wannabe yeah. serial killers were out there it's like yeah yeah <laughs> but dude at least my dude is just he's just hunting javelina and i'm like okay more power to you if that's the only thing you're yeah. hunting at least you're not like hunting people yeah <laughs> but, like do you think it's only a matter of time before like Oh, because here's the awesome part of the story is that he would only, like, hunt in, like, gym shorts. <laughs> he wouldn't wear a fucking top. And I think it's only a matter of time before he just starts hunting them with a hunting knife. Because they'll, like, eventually... A knife and a loincloth. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, man, this is how you need to express yourself, then I guess go for it. But, like, that's the thing. Like, if he gets hit, he's gone. He's done. Maybe he likes the thrill of it all. Who knows? It's a mystery. My mysteries in this world. Oh my goodness. I've had such a long week and I gotta do it again next week. No, gross. So, I was thinking we could maybe record uh, Wednesday's episode on Tuesday. Yeah, we can do that. Because so I gotta work 10 hour shifts again this week. Ew, so, and yay. I gotta go in early for a drug test because I got a new job. Oh, yeah, got... did you get the one that you wanted? Yes, I did. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I'm going to start, like, next month. So I'm like, yes. But I have to do the whole, like, rigmarole of signing a bunch of papers, sending them back to them. And then I have to go in and, like, have them take my urine away to make sure that I'm not doing anything too crazy. And, you know, like, enjoy my pee, guys. It's going to be real boring. Oh, and they have to do a background check on me, too, which is real cute because they're going to be really bored with whatever they find. Yeah, no shit. Like, I've never been arrested. I have one parking ticket, and that's it. Yeah, I have one it's not even a ticket so uh the toll roads in texas are privatized yeah and a year after i moved out here i got a ticket claiming that i was i ran uh basically i was on a toll road when i didn't have a tag but if you look at the camera it's a semi truck i don't drive a semi truck are you sure I've been living out in Atlanta for a minute, so I haven't paid it yet because I've been, like, going back and forth. This has been, like, two years. I've been going back and forth with them, being like, that's not me, bro. And they're like, yeah, but you owe us $30 now. I'm like, stop it. It's like, what do I, though? I mean, <laughs> I guess I could just pay it and get it over with. But right now, it's the principle of it all. Right. Yeah, so, you know, mine, I just, I totally parked in a no parking zone. Literally just got to, I had to run into the building that was right there just to, like, literally turn in, like, an envelope. Like, I don't even have to, like, go into the building. 
I had to walk to the door and put an envelope in the slot. And I parked in no parking. And literally by the time I turn around, they're already, like, starting to ticket me. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I just walked, like... Of bitches. Yeah, I was so annoyed. The the only reason I parked there is because I, uh... Was on my way to work, and I was doing, it was literally, it was a favor for my mom, mm-hmm. if she's listening, she knows what I'm talking about. Gosh, mom. <laughs> she even listen to my podcast, mom? I mean, maybe, because she did give me the idea. She did. Or she gave me the one. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about this week. And I was like, oh wait, my mom sent me one that was kind of interesting. Nice. At least she's being supportive. My mom, like, uh, oh gosh. This is definitely Sidebar Nation. So, like, growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch things like The Rugrats or, what? like, Standard... Chi- okay, we'll get there. Uh, or, like, Standard Children's TV shows. And my mom's reason for The Rugrats was she didn't like how crudely they were drawn. But I was all A-OK to watch Murder, She Wrote, and, like, Hercule Perot. My, mom, lo- my like- mom liked watching, like, cartoons with us. Like, she loves... She still quotes Johnny Bravo. Oh, I love Johnny Bravo. It's a good show. <laughs> Good job. We weren't allowed to watch that one, which is weird because that was kind of like, I guess a little super sexist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little. At least a little. We weren't allowed to watch that. But on one day, I was like homesick from school, like in high school, and I was watching Forensic Files. They're gotten really into Forensic Files then, and my mom was like, "You've been watching this all day. Should I be concerned for you? Like, why? Why are you like this?" I'm like, "You made me this way. Like, what the." fuck really <laughs> like what did you raise me on like a bunch of weird murder mysteries man like of course i'm be into this crap <laughs> right i used to watch unsolved mysteries with my mom all the time oh see that stuff is good i'm glad it's coming back yeah mm-hmm. i still want to see the new twilight zone but i don't have cbs well or whatever it is is I've it been, on cbs i've been uh streaming it through other means is it good it's good, yeah, yeah. I would say that some are better than others. Not all of them were scary necessarily, but they're still good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it just might not give me the heebie-jeebies or freak me out, but I'm like, oh, this is still entertaining. This is still good to watch. So, yeah. I'll be interested to see. Um, I think, did they get pick up for, picked up for a second season? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't hope know. so, I because... I like the Twilight Zone stuff. Like oh, I do too. Like, the, like I like doing like I like cryptids and I like all the weird shit. Oh, same, same. It's so fun. It's so fun. Like don't necessarily believe in cryptids or like aliens or anything like that, but it's still fun. Like we can just have fun for a second and not have to be like everything's real, right? Everything's real. Everything's real. Well, Except on that note, for maybe Bigfoot. On that note, though, have you heard about the missing four four eleven people? The what? Uh, it's like it's like four eleven or four one one. It's basically people that go missing in national parks, and it's like super weird. Yeah. Super yeah. weird. Yeah. And like half the time they find like the people's clothes all folded up and stuff. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Like right. I'm just gonna say though, if it's not like a serial killer or anything like that, it's the goddamn fae. It's fucking fairies, man. They do shit like this. Just saying. I don't believe in fairies. I don't believe in fairies, but I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Like, on this one instance, they're like, yeah, no, it's fairies. We're like, oh, all right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. I'd be like, word figured. Because, you know, a lot of the legends, like, old school legends of fairy or fae folk, are about them doing weird nonsense like that, of, like, abducting people and, like, leaving them in the middle of nowhere or abducting them and leaving them nowhere to be found. 
but probably not fairies. Probably something. <laughs> Like, uh, so, yeah, like, that whole thing is so weird. Because it's like, if it was our government, why would they leave the clothes? Like, hoo-hoo-hoo, you're yeah, never going to get me. I don't think it's the government. Like, I mean, it's easy to assume that. But I think that, especially with, like, Israel Keys, who would go and stalk out in, like, national state parks and just wait for something to come across his way. Like, it could be a person. Um, it could be an animal eventually. Like, you know, what if for some reason someone took off their clothes to go streaking or to go skinny dipping and then they got taken by an animal? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. It's still so strange, though. We'll have to talk about that someday. Uh, we're going to have to. That could be a weird, that could be a weird, uh, weird Wednesday topic. Yeah. Talk. So what you need to do after we get done with this mm-hmm. is you need to go listen to that Dogman song I posted and, like, message me. I will. I will. It, I love it. I will. Like, it's so creepy. I remember first, like, hearing that song. With, like, my friends being like, what the fuck? What uh, the fuck is this? No. I love weird crap. <sighs> okay. Okay. So, if you like weird crap, you should, like, like, review, and subscribe to our channels on... How many things are we on now? Uh, we're on a lot. We're on Spotify, uh, Anchor... Oh, my God. Let me just... We're on Apple, which they just started doing a new thing, which is, like, literally a podcast app only. Like, because they got, they got rid of their iTunes. iTunes oh, is no longer a thing. I heard that. <clears throat> All right. Ooh, also, I thought of a cool idea. I borrowed this from, actually, uh, the Tripod, which is the Try Guys podcast, which I do shamelessly listen to, even though most of the time it's high schoolers and middle schoolers that like their stuff. But, anyways, I would say, hey, if you review our channel and, like, give us a good list of three or four star review and you comment with your hometown murders or your hometown weird story, then we'll read it on air. Well, that's actually what I want to do for murders or the weird stuff. Like, uh, <clears throat> you can email us at the dead talk podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and we will get those. Yeah. Actually, my buddy was supposed to email me. I wanted to talk to him because he had a, a UFO encounter. Well, tell them to freaking oh. review it. Again, we're uh, I don't know where to review where people review things. Probably on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. Sure. Uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on, we're on Anchor. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Google. Spotify. Stitcher. Leave us a review somewhere. Like you know, it help, um, help help some folks out. Join the Facebook group. Yeah, we're, we're pretty dope. Talk Podcast. Mm-hmm. We also um, got a Twitter. Yeah, that is at Dead Talk Pod. Mm-hmm. And, and do we have do we have an Instagram? I, well, I thought you said last week that you set it up. Oh, I mean, I can. <laughs> no, shut up. I'll do it. I'll do it tonight. I'll do it tonight. So, like, hopefully tonight, if I don't get lazy, then we'll have an Instagram because yeah. I also have a lot of weird crap that I like to post, and so maybe you'll see some weird stuff that I have because, like, yeah, I've been meaning, I, like I saw that you crap. guys posted an EVP on your other uh, group, we and I wanted to. Li- I haven't listened to it yet. Oh my god, please do. I've been meaning to, because I saw it, like, when I was scrolling, I was like, ooh, I gotta listen to that, and I just fucking forgot. Please do it. That's, like, one of our best ones so far, and it's so funny, because, um, uh, well, actually, you know, I'll wait and tell you what actually was going on in that, in that moment, in that cabin, after you listen to it, and you tell me what you think it says, so. Okay, and then we'll talk about it Wednesday. Yes, yes, a little bit. All right, sounds good. And... We got to thank crackalackbeats.com for the use of our theme song, the intro there. 
And eventually I'm going to add to it and tweak it. But head on over there if you want beats or possibly get a music video recorded. He's really good with that kind of thing. Or if you want the dopest of beats or the dopest of music videos, then exactly. like hit our boy up because, you know, support. He's awesome. He's, work- he's actually been working with some uh, bigger influences lately. Like he uh, just recorded a music video with Bizarre. Ooh, that's fancy. Yeah. Okay, like he's he's getting up there. He's going to be big. Oh, hell yeah. And actually, I don't, like, I don't have a doubt. All the songs that we listen to to kind of decide on what to use, like, no nah, man can lay some sweet beats down. So I respect that. Yep. So uh, go ahead and check him out. He also has YouTube and all that. You can find all that information. But yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Stay strange, maybe, is a good sign off. Stay, stay strange. Uh, stay yeah. str- be weird and stay strange. Yeah, be weird, stay strange. Do crime, don't do crime, actually. Unless it's like smoking pot. But even then, be careful where you do it. Or things that are to like fight injustice. You can do that crime. Yeah, like punch a Nazi. Punch a Nazi. Punch all the Nazis. <laughs> I want a thousand Nazi scalps. Or however the fuck uh, goes. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Alright, bye. Alright, bye.